John here, and we've got a new sponsor, DistroKid. Now that you've finished your latest Pirate Math SpongeCore Twitch trek, it's time to get it out there so everyone can hear it. DistroKid helps musicians get their music on all the major streaming platforms, and artists keep 100% of their royalties. And because you're a high-gain listener, you get 30% off. Just go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash high gain. That's distrokid.com slash VIP slash high gain. And now DistroKid has an app. The DistroKid app is available for iOS and Android. You can download it at distrokid.com slash app or in the app and play stores. We'd like to take a minute to thank our pals over at Isotope, makers of software and plugins for audio repair, mixing, and mastering. The new gold standard of audio repair, Isotope RX11, is coming in May. Buy RX10 now on sale and get RX11 absolutely free when it's released. We use Isotope products here at the High Gain. It's an important part of how we've been able to bottle pure podcast gold week after week. High Gain listeners get 10% off using the promo code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. That's all at isotope.com. I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com. This is Ed Peterson. And this is John Kiltica, Ed. And this is the High Gain Podcast, John. It is the High Gain Podcast. What do we talk about? We talk about guitars and pedals and weather and old man ailments and all kinds of stuff. Great. Where are you recording from? I am, again, Ed, Mm -hmm. in the subterranean bunker in beautiful West Seattle. Yep, I'm three blocks away, also in West Seattle. It's not terrible today. It's not great. Weather check says eh, a little overcast. That's not as bad as it could be for this time of year in Seattle. Absolutely. Uh, I wonder if we should do location checks on anyone else. Uh, Like, what do you mean? Like, maybe we should call in our good friend Ben Liggett from Liggett Guitars. That's right. He's in Oklahoma, I believe. Are you there, Ben? Hey, you guys. Hi, Ben. Hey, how are you? Doing great. How are you guys? Killer. Amazing. That's so good to hear. Where in Oklahoma are you, Ben? I am just north of Tulsa in a little town called Owasso. Owasso? I believe it's Cherokee for end of the trail. No kidding. That would be the Trail of Tears. Oh, no. Is it really the end of the Trail of Tears? I think it is. Our city seal is like a very sad Indian atop a horse. Wow. That's brutal. It's a bummer, but you know. I seem to remember hearing that along the Trail of Tears, they got to, I guess, Owasso and stopped and sat down. And they said, we refuse to go any further until our souls catch up to our bodies. Good Lord. Wow. That's brutal. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> good start to the show. Yeah. You guys are so welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Here's my recollection of how we came across you. Instagram, I just scroll. That's usually my Instagram behavior. And your guitar, the one we have, popped up in my feed. And it was one of those ones where I just like, whoa, put the brakes on. What the fuck is that? (laughs) Holy shit, look at that thing. (laughs) Yeah, I love it. Oh, thank you. I think you said on the description of it, 
it's kind of a telly style, but if Dr. Seuss made it. Right, exactly. It's like kind of funhouse mirror-y. It's a telly, but like, why does it look like that? <laughs> a telly on acid, I've heard as well. Yeah, it's kind of got that melting clock thing going on. Mm-hmm. How did you settle on that shape? When I draw something, I've got to draw it and then leave it for a while and then come back to it and be like, oh, no, this needs to be pinched and pulled over here. And so it went through several iterations. But my initial goal was to make a telly that wasn't another telly copy. Yeah. You know, I'll make it just a slight variation of a telly. And then we got it out into weirdo land really quickly. (laughs) Do you do that freehand, like pencil on paper? I draw it digitally these days. Yeah. I find it easier to uh, bring in shapes and combine them. Totally. Yeah. It almost feels like you could get to the shape you got to in digital faster. Yes. I could see just grabbing a corner and pulling it. Yep. And like, oh. And then you end up in crazy town, man. That's where I reside. Yeah, I love it. It's time to arrive. I guess you are afraid of what everyone is made of time. And you like, I guess you are afraid of what everyone is Beverages. Beverages, Ed. Woo. <laughs> that was a little something different. Uh, That's some St. Vincent. Yes. Yeah. That is St. Vincent. Any guesses as to why I attempted a St. Vincent song? She plays a ligate guitar. Huh. She does not. Damn it. I wish. She was born in 1982 in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Oh, there's an Oklahoma thing. Got it. That's pretty good. Do we still have Ben? I'm here. Oh, okay, cool. He's just blown away. (laughs) He's blown away by that rendition. (laughs) Taking it to crazy town. I love it. I have a habit of butchering the song, and then I kind of like smooth the edges in post-production. So when you hear the episode, you'll be like, wait, I thought it was suckier than that. (laughs) (laughs) I loved it. Yeah, there have been a couple where John has done the song. And then it's just like dead quiet from me and the other person. And it's just like, what just happened? There have been some that I have just mangled. This time you went right into that drum beat and that was just a perfect lead in. I think you did great, John. Oh, thank you very much. I was bobbing my head. Yeah. Nice. What pedal were you using on that one? The first pedal it was going through was the Old Blood Noise Endeavors Alpha Haunt 2 Fuzz. Oh. Our guys over at Old Blood are based in Oklahoma. Yes. <laughs> Man, you're getting regional with this one, John. I love it. Later on, I'm going to like, you know, fire up the smoker and do a side of beef out back. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, great. Uh, Alpha Haunt into... Into the Right Sounds Tremolo Tremolo pedal. Perfect. Into the Recovery Effects Phantom Operator pedal. One of my faves. They are local to the Pacific Northwest, as is Right Sounds. Yep. Our friend Matt Wright is down in Portland, Oregon. Beautiful Portland. Keeping it weird. Yeah. Ben, what are you drinking? I am drinking an Ethiopian coffee right now. Wow. From a Tulsa roaster called Cirque 
Coffee. C-I-R-Q-U-E. Ooh, French. That's great. Good stuff. I'm having a breakfast blend coffee from a local Seattle roaster. Starbucks, maybe you've heard of them. (laughs) Ooh. (laughs) Yeah. For whatever reason, I actually have Starbucks, which I don't feel great about, but, you know. I've also got a smoothie, John. What kind of smoothie? I put a banana in it, and then I put some blackberries and strawberries. I put some almond milk and chocolate protein powder. We must be on the same wavelength because I've got a cappuccino protein shake. Oh, okay. There's no big corn in it. Okay, good. And there's also no slogan. But the primary beverage, as with you guys, is coffee. I've got a donut shop coffee. Oh, sure. It's a lovely beverage. (laughs) Sounds great. Coffee all around. Play some of that guitar, John. Oh, yeah. So I've got our 1981 Inventions DRV pedal on its lowest setting to provide a little bit of girth. Bridge, tone rolled back? Neck. (laughs) Shit. Tone rolled up. Okay. Okay, I turned off the DRV. You know, I was telling Ed before we started, Ben, that this thing verges on, like, Rickenbacker ring. Ooh, I'll take it. Yeah. Listen to that, man. This guitar is wild. It's got a couple things that jumped out at me when I was playing it. There's the first initial thing of like, oh, it's a telly, but it's not. And the headstock is rad. Ooh, thank you. Cool headstock design that's not derivative. That feels impossibly hard to me. I dig it. There's a thing in like car world maybe where sometimes people will take like a Honda Accord and then just make it this sleeper drag racer car. You know what I mean? Where it's like, that's just rando normie car. That guitar is like that. I would expect it to be like a telly. The neck is really thin. Like it's made to be a ripper, right? Yeah, you could shred. Oh, this just looks like country Western guy. No. <laughs> <laughs> I end up trying to design something that I think people are going to like. And then at the end of it, I end up making what I like in a guitar. That's great. Yeah. I'm usually wanting wider string spacing, a little bit thinner neck. And even if the neck isn't thinner, I try to make the shape feel thinner. So I take off more shoulder. I don't want it meaty where it meets the fretboard. Right. Because it just makes it feel like a club. I do lots of feeling as I'm going through the carve, taking a little off here and a little off there and just trying to get it as comfy as possible, regardless of thickness. As we mentioned earlier, essentially this is a Telecaster configuration, but that's where the similarities end. This is a very thin neck. It has a zero fret on it. Yes. And the neck itself is wider. Did you tell me it was an inch and three quarters wide? Yes, sir. Yeah, you can totally feel it, but it's not prohibitive. Sometimes you look at the Shreddy Boy guitars, it feels like a mile and a half across that fretboard. Right. This is very comfortable. It's like so easy to play. Man. So you call this a standard model, right? Yes. This one has a name, does it? Yes, it is the Abstract. The Abstract. That's the model. It's the model. And this is in what I call the standard tier 
which is the most affordable. Basically, it doesn't have comfort carves on the body, but it still has exotic woods. It has nickel frets, which is uh, indicative of the standard tier, but it still has the zero fret and burl inlays in the headstock. Your inlay work is crazy. (laughs) (laughs) You put the Liggett logo on the back of the headstock. Yes. It's so fucking beautiful. And then it's like, oh, it's behind. (laughs) It's so great because it's another one of those things where I'm like, oh, this is like a really hot rodded out flashy thing. And then you hide all the hot rod stuff. Yes. That's so cool. I like going the extra mile for things that people don't notice right away. Yeah. Like if I do an ebony fretboard, I almost always bind it with ebony. People don't really notice at first. And they're like, wait, is it bound? I'm like, well, yeah. Oh, and then they figure it out. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. The neck on this is black limba. Is that right? Correct. I have never heard of that wood. Black limba is Karina. As far as I understand it, Karina is a made-up word that Gibson came up with. Oh. And Karina is white limba, which is just a paler part of the tree. And black limba has all the cool, dark streaks that I like. Got it. The inlay that Ed mentioned on the headstock, there's a long rectangular piece and then two other inlays. That reminds me of the way some joinery works in traditional furniture. Traditional Japanese joinery has lots of interlocking pieces and stuff. And they'll like join two pieces with a pin that fits in just perfectly at the right angle. I don't know that it was directly inspired by that, but I do love that stuff. There's lots of it on my Instagram Explore page. How did you start doing this? When I was in high school, I hated school. So I started attending our vocational program that's offered here called Tulsa Tech for machining technology. And so I did that for three years while in high school and learned how to run mills and lathes and make things to precise measurements. And then I worked in that field for several years and eventually just started to hate smelling like burnt metal at the end of every day. And I totally hear that. It was a grind. I worked in a metal shop through college. Did you ever have the thing where you had to, at the end of the day, take a pair of pliers and pull the metal shavings out of the soles of your shoes? Yes, yes, absolutely. (laughs) And getting burnt from them coming off the machine hot. Yeah. So I did that. And then I thought, you know, I love playing guitar. What if I could build guitars? I could work with wood instead of metal. That would really change my life. And so I started researching schools that I could attend for such a thing. And I landed on uh, Roberto Venn in Phoenix, Arizona. He's one of the big boys, right? Like that's one of the big boy schools. Yeah. You know, if I was going to recommend a school for anyone to go to, I think Roberto Venn would be what I recommend. I, I think it's the oldest luthier school in the world. Oh, wow. I think. I went on their webpage and yeah, you know, like... Alumni, Jason Lawler, class of 79. I got to take his pickup winding class. From him? That's right. Wow. Oh my God, that's wild. He just showed up and I was like, oh my, you're Jason Lawler. (laughs) That's cost of admission, right? Yeah. And you know what's really cool is like uh, people that live locally there, they can sign up for those auxiliary classes, like amp building class, pedal building, a pickup winding. So you took pickup class from Lawler. Do you do your own pickups now? I do. I wound the pickups in that guitar. You're using a lower wind on them, right? Yes. 
with lower wind and with scatter wound pickups in general, it sounds better to my ear. It's like more of a, a scooped mid kind of sound. The bass is prominent. The treble is prominent. I used to be a real metal head. And so I would always buy the highest output pickups you could find on the market. And every time I did, I was disappointed with them. Even if they sounded good with lots of gain, anytime I went to play cleanly, I was just like, God, these just suck. Yeah. So you came back from Roberto Venn, but you didn't go right into guitars, right? You went into banjos? Yeah, I got really lucky when I graduated. When I returned to Tulsa, I looked around for Luthery jobs. And as you can imagine, Luthery jobs aren't always bountiful. But I found a job at this banjo manufacturer, and I didn't know anything about banjos. And they wanted someone to work there for several years, you know, long term. And they're like, do you think you'd want to build banjos? And I thought, you know, if it's got strings and frets, I bet it'll translate. And it was the best thing I ever did. Oh, no kidding. Were there some sick players you worked with? Oh, man, yeah. There's a uh, great banjo player local to me named Cody Brewer, and he is in a band called Graz Hopper. It's G-R-A-Z-Z Hopper. They have an album that is just killer. Banjo players, you know, they make metal shredders just look like, oh, these guys aren't doing anything. Yeah. I just cannot fathom the dexterity in both hands. Yeah. I also got to meet uh, Danny Barnes a few times. He's pretty popular in the bluegrass community. And man, he's one of those guys that when he plays, it looks like he's barely moving. Right. The economy of motion is so good. There's no wasted movement. And he's one of those guys I could just watch for hours. I went to the site. Bishline Banjos. Do you think there was something you gained from starting with banjos that gave you sort of a different perspective when you started in with the guitars? Yeah, absolutely. You know, with banjos, it's an acoustic instrument, and it really surprised me what translated to tone with a banjo. Things that I previously would have maybe thought wouldn't make any difference at all on the final sound made a really big difference. Like what? neck wood for example like the acoustic guitar world almost every neck is honduran mahogany and we would have one banjo identical to another and one would be mahogany and one would be walnut and the differences in tone between the two identical otherwise banjos would be really really noticeable huh i have this thing where i'm just like tone wood (laughs) but it comes from the electric space i guess i just feel like everything i play is through a fucking fuzz pedal and these jacked up pickups where it's like how much of the wood is actually translating yes acoustics and banjos that makes way more sense to me i'm not as averse to it but i think the thing that irks us both is the kind of gratuitous mention of tone wood (laughs) in the electric world it's like even if you are putting it through all these effects the feedback that you have as a player is different an instrument i completed over the summer had a rosewood neck and man there's something different about a neck where the wood is like exponentially harder than any neck wood you've played before it really makes a difference did some of your inlay experience come out of working at bishline yeah i would say all of it yeah okay yeah i got there and i basically slowly learned how to do it all and then ended up building off of what i learned and started doing new things with inlay 
what's the state of the technology? I guess it's the romantic view that has me thinking like, oh, it's some dude hunched over with like the world's most precise saw. Mm -hmm. Is that even a thing anymore or is stuff laser cut? You know, there are people that still cut by hand. If you look up Larry Robinson, he's like the godfather of inlays. I think he did lots of inlay for um, Alembic in the 70s and such. I could be wrong on that, so don't crucify me, internet. <laughs> he does everything by hand, and it's just incredible. And there is a cut-by-hand look. And at Bishline, we used a CNC machine to cut pockets as well as the inlay itself. You know, even with a machine cutting it, it's still really difficult to inlay. <laughs> you know, even if you have all the technology at your disposal. Hey, you want to hear this thing, Ed? I totally want to hear it. Lay it on me. I'm going to walk the tone. So if I go to the neck and I say to myself, okay, what's the most neckiest sound I can get? Yep. Right? Very necky. How bridgy can I get? So I was telling John that he was playing the guitar and a thing that was coming through the headphones that I don't think people at home are going to hear is that guitar is so resonant. You could totally hear the acoustic side, the pick through John's mic that I almost never hear. Why don't I just go ahead and do that? I don't notice that thing. That's what I'm going for, man. So the body is mahogany, right? Correct. Is it chambered anywhere? It is slightly chambered around the neck pickup and under the pick guard. So that could contribute to the resonance and projection of this thing acoustically. Absolutely. Yeah, it's great. Where the neck connects to the body, you've taken the extra step of sandwiching another piece of, what is that, ebony? Yes. Yeah, so there's the wood of the neck, but then a thin slab of ebony, and then it's bolted to the body. Yeah. That's kind of a cool visual detail. Yeah, I just love the look of that. And it can't hurt to uh, have an extra dense piece of wood sandwiched between there. With this guitar, you said it's kind of the more budget model? Correct. The attention to detail on a budget model is pretty crazy. Yeah. <laughs> As you look at it up close, it's like, oh, that doesn't seem budgety. And just little stuff. It does not scream budget model guitar, is all I'm saying. No. <laughs> well, thank you. The finish itself, I don't know if you steel wooled it down or if it went on satiny or matte finished. But what, what is it? I've been doing a non-toxic milk paint finish. Cool. Very similar to what a uh, middle-aged housewife might put on an old <laughs> an old desk or something. <laughs> Shabby chic. Exactly. <laughs> and I thought that was just a cool way to uh, do something that didn't cost a lot. It wasn't toxic and putting lots of fumes out there and was, you know, a little more affordable. Our man Nikolai Shore of Shore Guitars does the exact same thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love his stuff, man. So you've got multiple models and you've also got other shapes that are, like you said, a little more shreddy. Yeah. Where do you want to go? Like more custom stuff or are you liking the T model? I've been focused on the T style. 
trying to carve out some kind of look that is modern yet classic at the same time. When I saw that T-shape, it totally stopped my scrolling. (laughs) That's what I'm going for, man. Another thing with scrolling through your feed is every once in a while you post little videos of you kind of demoing the guitar and that doom influence kind of comes through in those videos which i love (laughs) guy playing telecaster and it's just oh man i got the first version of the sun life pedal and i have an 82 twin reverb it's like the 135 watt model yep (laughs) And I just crank that fucker and shake the walls in the shop. It's great. I can imagine you cranking that through your Fender amp that way and like blowing out candles. (laughs) No joke. Have you been doing much acoustic building? Yes. My next batch of guitars is going to be a couple acoustics. I'm trying to develop a new acoustic model that's specifically for fingerstyle playing. Cool. So it'll be a fingerstyle steel string, and it's going to be kind of a weird warped shape, kind of like the abstract is. I could see looking at that acoustic and realizing that the guy who made that T also made the acoustic. That's what I'm going for. I want to be able to line up instruments and be like, oh, those are all Liggett guitars. Yeah. I think we should hear a little more of this. I'm going to put the overdrive back on it, and I'm going to put everything back in the middle. just comes through that's what i'm saying we've never had another guitar that's done that that's chimed through the mic the way this one is doing and i'm sorry about all the raving that we're doing about your work i apologize you can rave all you want Isn't that the fun part? Well, for us, it is. You get a guitar and you have preconceived notions. It doesn't matter if it's some Squire guitar or some extremely hand-built one like this. You just get a picture in your head, but then you pick it up and you play it, and all bets are off as soon as you hear it. John and I have talked about how like, we've played enough guitars now that at this point, we'll get some just amazing guitar And I'll be like, eh, it's okay. (laughs) Which is like a weird spot to be in, you know? Yeah. Because I can be very dismissive of very cool things at this point. Right. So when we get something like this, it's also exciting for me because rarely am I like this impressed. That makes me so happy. That's cool. The first thing I noticed was how wide the neck was and how thin it was. And I was kind of in the mindset of, oh, it's going to be shreddy. But then as soon as I play it and I hear that kind of Rickenbacker jangle that you can get out of it, in addition to the teletones with these pickups, that's a unique kind of thing. I can't think of any other guitar offhand that does that. Or throw a life pedal in front of it and, you know, just doom away. That's what I'm saying. Chunk. (laughs) Why wouldn't you do that? Yeah. Drop C. Exactly. What do you think, John? I think this is 
Wonderful. Yeah, liggettguitars.com. Check me out. Yeah. L-I-G-G-E-T-T. That's your site, and you're on Instagram. And we got to thank you for showing up for this and for sending us this guitar, Ben. Absolutely. We will take good care of it and make sure it makes it back to you in one entire piece. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> this was really fun. Thank you guys so much for having me. Oh, you are so welcome. Where can people find us, John? Us? Yeah. Uh, well, we have a website, too. It's thehighgain.com. And we're also all over the socials at The High Gain. Sure. Like, you know, LinkedIn and Pinterest. Right. They also can send emails to us at thehighgainpod at gmail.com. Maybe leave a review on that iTunes. That's a good one. Cool. Yeah. I think we did a great job. It was super successful. Yeah. That's because of you, Ben. And we thank you again. Solid work. Cool. Bye. Later. Bye.